0: Thank you, Al. If you could turn to Galatians chapter 5 in your Bibles as we continue our series this morning called Fresh Faith from the Book of Galatians. I'll give you a minute to, to open up there as I do the same before we read God's Word. Well, welcome. Today's title of the message is The Way of Freedom. We'll be going through Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. And if you were here last week, church, you recall that we spoke about true freedom. We have been set free in Christ Jesus to serve and love one another. But I have a little confession to start off with this morning. There's a little catch that I failed to mention last week. All this talk about serving and loving one another, you can't do it. That is, you can't do it, at least in your own power and in your own strength. In fact, if what matters most to God is faith working through love, we're sunk. (laughs) We're sunk apart from some serious help. We need serious help this morning. We don't need just a little tinkering with this morning, church. We need transformation. We as Christians don't need just a little push this morning to get us going in the right direction. We need motivational power to get us there. In other words, church, you and I are in desperate need of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here this morning and you've placed your saving faith in Christ Jesus, you know what? You have the Spirit. You have all of them. All of them. The Holy Spirit is God's indwelling presence. He is God. And He is God's indwelling, permanent presence in the life of every believer. It's what we call, and really here's historic Christian faith calls the third person of eternity. God is one, right? But three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and yes, God, the Holy Spirit. Yet sadly, and strangely, the Holy Spirit can become what one author puts it as, the forgotten God. I mean, think of how often... Do you really think about the Holy Spirit? Or to put it another way, this week, how often did you consciously think about the Holy Spirit? For some of you, that might even be an odd question. Why would you even ask that? You see, for some of us, the Holy Spirit, well, he can be treated like a neglected sibling, younger sibling. Just kind of hope he stays in his room and stays out of trouble. That's how you do the Holy Spirit. Or perhaps we can treat him like a butler of sorts. You know, the butler that we see in these period TV dramas or novels. You know, he's the guy in the room, but he's seldom heard or to be seen. And you know what? Truth be told, you kind of like it that way. You know, he's he's just kind of assumed. And that's fine with you. The church, may it not be. If that's you this morning, God is saying through his word, through the apostle Paul, he is saying, enough. Do you want to live as those who are truly free in Christ? The Holy Spirit is your ticket. He is the way of freedom. Do you know him, the Holy Spirit? Do you relate to him? Are you following Him? Are you following His lead? The main point this morning is simply this. Walk by the Spirit and be free. Walk by the Spirit and be free. Let's put it up there, Stephen, so we can see it. Thank you. That's where we're going this morning. With that in mind, let's read our text and we'll pray. Galatians 5, starting with verse 16. We'll go through 26. envying one another. Church, let's pray. Well, Holy Spirit, we ask this morning that you would do your work, that you would have your way. Oh, Spirit, we need you this morning. We need you to illumine your word We need you to point us to Christ. So Lord, may we be so bold to ask, Spirit, that you would impart faith this morning. That you would create in us an intense yearning and longing to be more like you, O Christ. Put desires in our hearts, desires to please you, O Savior, that we may walk and the freedom which you have purchased. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to give you a little tip this morning as we go through this sermon. How to hear it. How to listen to it. The main point, walk by the Spirit. That just begs the question, when I read that, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? We're going to get there this morning, but there's just things that you need to know about the Spirit. If you're going to follow His lead, You need to know how he leads. So we're going to spend some time, the first two points, understanding the spirit and how he works, okay? But what we're driving towards is a third point. What does it mean to walk by the spirit? What does it mean to keep in step with the spirit? We're going to try to flesh that out this morning in a way that would be understandable and I hope practical for you. So we're getting there. But first, some things that we must understand. Point one, we need to know the necessity of the spirit. Verse 16, but I say walk by the spirit... Yeah, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. As mentioned last week, there, well, in in this church in Galatia, to which Paul is writing, there is some serious contention. There's like serious tension in this church. You see, instead of using their freedom to serve and love one another, there are many in this church who are abusing their freedom and in doing so are abusing one another. So what is Paul's answer, an admonition to the church, to all that's happening in the church? What does he say? Church, just stop it. That's not what he says. Church, just, just behave, will you? No. Church, I'm going to count to three. I'm gonna, and you know what's happening next. In fact, what he says in some ways is the most unexpected. He says, But I say, here's the answer walk by the Spirit. Yeah, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Fascinating. He, Paul mentions the Spirit in this brief passage seven times. It's all over the place. He talks about walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. Verse 18 living by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. Verse 25. But what I want you to understand is this. When Paul is speaking about the Spirit, these references are not some nice little tips, okay? Nice little tips, church, how to live a more fulfilled life. What he's not giving us either is, I have a secret for not going to see this on TV, special seminar only, only for you, okay, secret. This is what it means to live the super saint life. That's not what he's talking about. Church, what he's talking about is Christianity 101. He's saying this is how Christians live. In fact, this is how they must live. Why? Because each one of us is in a spiritual battle, a real battle. Look at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. There you go. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We're in a battle, church. You and I are in a battle for holiness. There's a reason why we call the spirit so often alluded to as the Holy Spirit. Because we're in a battle for holiness. It's a battle between the flesh and the flesh. Warring passions inside you and a war against the spirit who resides in you. But notice where the battle was played out. Do you catch that? This battle is played out in the heart at the level of your desires. And I think most of us here, we know that battle well, don't we? It's why we go into attack mode, or to use Paul's language back in verse 15. The bite and devour mode, when we don't get what we want. To put up, hopefully, a familiar passage to you, let's read with fresh eyes James 4, verses 1 and 2. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions, there you go, are at war within you? You desire, that's not the word desire, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You bite and you devour. Yeah, we're in a battle. But this battle manifests itself not just in the ways in which we attack, but also in such a way that we can often go slack. What do I mean by that? I mean we can grow lazy. We can grow and get neglectful. The Christian life is hard. It's real hard. Biblical fellowship, service, it's hard. I mean, guys, reading the Bible is hard. The desires of the flesh want to make it very easy for you to stay home and to watch a movie. You know what? I feel that like desire most every evening. It's there. No, not... That's not wrong to stay home nor watch a movie. The point is this. There will always be real spiritual opposition to gather and to serve one another. There will always be resistance to popping open our Bibles in the morning, in the evening, or in between to read, to meditate. Oh, that's tough. To pray. Don't be surprised, church. I often think of what author Chris Lungard says in his really good book called The Enemy Within. Hear this quote. The flesh can curl upon your side and watch mindless movies all night long. But let even the barest thought of meditations flutter into your mind and the flesh goes into red alert. Before you get past our Father, who was in heaven, your eyes, which were glued to the screen, now sag in sleepiness. And your attention, which was so fixed on the plot, now zips around the universe faster than the starship Enterprise. Can you relate? I know I can. He nailed it. I, mean, I think we're all aware, aren't we? We have this battle and the fleshly desires within. But here's where the passage goes nuclear. And this is what we can often fail to see. The Spirit, who resides in you, resides in me, resides in every Christian, is producing godly and righteous desires within you as well. Do you notice that? Look at verse 17 again. Look at that phrase. It's curious. Desires of the Spirit. Did you know the Spirit has desires? He's creating those desires in you. These are desires which counter the flesh. You could call them counter-desires, okay? The Spirit is producing real desires, real motivational power. Why? So we can live in the freedom which Christ has purchased for us to selflessly love and to serve. Did you know that? are you responding to such desires? You know, we often use a language, yeah, I I gave in, right, to that desire. Okay, what we mean is that fleshly desire within. But how about, you know what, I gave in. Yeah, to that spiritual desire that the Spirit is working and producing in me. Wayne Grudem writes in his Systematic Theology, we'll put it up here on the screen for you, this quote based on uh, Galatians 5. says this, hope you can read it. If not, just listen along. I'm sorry, it's a little small. The contrast between desires of the flesh and desires of the Spirit implies that our lives should be responding moment by moment to the desires of the Holy Spirit, not to the desires of the flesh. In fact, the word translated desires is a word that refers to strong human desires, not simply to intellectual decisions. Paul implies that we are to follow these desires as they are produced by the Holy Spirit in us. Church, this is what I believe it means, to walk by the Spirit. It's to follow the real human desires that God has placed in your heart by His Spirit. As Gruden points out, we're not talking about mere intellectual choices, yeah, okay, I know the Spirit's working, I ought to do this. Church, is so much more. The Spirit is working on you to where you can say, I want to do this. I want to do what is right. Even when you feel the temptation and the pull to do otherwise. I want to serve, even though I am so tired and I feel so apathetic. I want to be pure, even though I so want to click on that link or image right now. I want to hope and to dream, even though I'm scared. I'm scared that my hopes will be deferred, that my dreams will be dashed once again. I want to be free. Church, the Holy Spirit has made a way for you to experience such freedom. But he's not just producing desires. He's not just producing these independent little desires. He's producing character, what we could call virtue, selfless behavior which is aligned with, which is consistent with those who are truly free in Christ. Look at verse 22. We call that the fruit of of the spirits, the spirit is committed to producing a harvest of righteousness in you, and this fruit is directly contrasted with the works of the flesh, vices which the flesh is seeking to produce in you. Verse nineteen to twenty-one. What are the works of the flesh? Oh, they're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Not an exhaustive list. Now, when I read that list, I read it quickly, I realize. Read it a second time already. You can just kind of whiz by us, right? I, I get that. Right? You've read it a few times. It's even hard to get your mind around all these things. I mean, you just know it's bad, right? Okay? Whatever it is, bad, bad stuff, right? But I don't want this to become white noise. So I want to give you a fresh paraphrase of these verses from the message. And we'll put it up here so we can understand better how this works the flesh play out in our lives. From the message. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming, yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper. An impotence to love, or to be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. That's sobering. Church, that's our natural, fleshly, gravitational pull that we battle against. And I believe there's enough there for everyone, (laughs) whether you tend to be a legalist or you err more towards licentious, either way. Everything listed there, everything mentioned there, all these works of the flesh played out, hinders our fellowship with God, not just God, Oh, hinders our fellowship with one another. In fact, what Paul is saying here is, if these works of the flesh characterize your life, verse 21, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's you. You say, you're not saved. You're not in fellowship with God or with one another. But that's not to say, most of us here, that we don't struggle with one or a number of those things we do as Christians. But hear this we're not helpless in this fight. These sins that just been mentioned, these works of the flesh, need not define us. It need not define you. The Spirit has been given, not just so you won't do those things. You see, the Christian life is not just living some type of what has been called an avoidance ethic, okay? You know, God doesn't say, he's not just saying that this passage, receive my spirit so you can stop doing these really bad things. Just, you know, walk in the spirit and you won't do these things. He's saying that, but he's saying so much more. See, God never just plays defense. Our God plays offense as well. What does that mean? It means this. He is not just interested in defending you from these vile practices so you don't do those things. That, that you would say no to worldly passions and ungodliness. Right, Titus 2.12. Oh, he wants you to do that. But something else happening here. God is also busy making you into his image by his spirit. So you won't want to do those things. It's the fruit of the spirit. Look back at verses 22 and 23. The first is love. It's no surprise, is it? We shouldn't be surprised by now that love is the first listed. As we learned last week, those who are truly spiritual free... Demonstrate a radical faith in God. How? By loving and serving one another. You realize this love that we have and that we give, it's a work of the Spirit. This is the coolest verse. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Let me read it. I think we have that on the screen for you as well. We read this. Not only that, but we rejoice, so we have joy in our sufferings. Really? Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Here's why. Listen to this. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. How? It's amazing. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God pours out. That literally can be translated. God gushes out love and puts it in your heart. How? By the Holy Spirit. The list goes on. The fruit of the Spirit, which He's cultivating in you, which He is committed to cultivating is a joy. We read about joy in that Romans 5 passage, right? What is this joy? It's it's a joy that the world can't give and can't take away because it's it's a joy that ultimately is set upon God and His eternal promises. It's a joy in that God will fulfill His eternal promises. It's the hope of righteousness back in Galatians 5.5. This joy is is the confidence that I know that what God began in me, He's going to complete. I know it. I believe it. And as such, there's a peace. A peace. The biblical word in Hebrew is shalom. It's a wholeness. It's the result of living a life of freedom, which is consistent with your calling and profession. It's experience the fact that I am free, and I am experiencing that freedom. That's wholeness. Wholeness. It's shalom. It's the work of the spirits. We don't have time to go through all of those. We have goodness. There's a connotations of generosity, gentleness. Speaking to, especially to the area of anger. Self-control. Speaking to the area of sensual passions. Church, this is the point. I hope you recognize this by now. These fruit of the spirits, the spirit, which one spirit? Fruit of the spirits. It's truly Supernatural. I love the tag at the end of verse 23. Look at it. Verse 23. It's this. Against such things, that is such fruit, there is no law. What does that mean? I think it means this. In other words, this fruit of the Spirit cannot be produced by the demands of the law. The command to stop lusting is not going to produce love. The fruit of the Spirit cannot be produced by the law and it certainly can't be produced by your own efforts. It's the work, and it's the way of the Spirit. And that leads to the final, to the third point. We're going to take it home here. and We're going to make it personal. I'm going to lead you to this question. Are you keeping in step with the work and ways of the Spirit? Are you? Point three, keep in step with the spirits. Verse 25, if we live by the spirit, and you do if you're a believer, you're alive in him because of the spirits within you, let us also keep in step with the spirit. What does that mean, keep in step with the spirit? Well, I think I know what keep in step means. It means to walk in line, right? But Behind, behind your leader. Your leader is the spirit. But to keep in step also has, it has Marching connotations, doesn't it? Remember what we've talked about before? We're in a battle. Who's your leader in that battle? It's the Holy Spirit. He's leading you in the battle. The battle of the heart, which we've been talking about. Well, how does he lead us in the battle? By producing in you right desires and a Christ-likeness. By giving you motivational power to live in the freedom which is yours. All Christians, are led by the spirit Romans 8:14 For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God We see it also in Galatians 5:18 So the question this morning really boils down to this If you had the spirit and if the spirit is leading are you following Are you following the spirit's lead this morning I want you to know that you can that you can do this Look at verse 24, just before the exhortation to keep in step. We can often miss this verse. What's what's it there for? I'll tell you why I think it's there for. It says this, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions, there we go, and desires. In other words, those who belong to Christ, those who have his life-giving spirit, are no longer enslaved to sin. Romans 6 says as much on the screen there. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You catch that? The grip of sin in your life, O Christian, has lost its hold on you. That doesn't mean you can't sin. It doesn't mean that you won't be tempted. You will. But it does mean that you do not need to follow the desires of the flesh, that you are free to follow the desires of the spirit that he is producing within you. You can follow him. So could we? Just for a moment, let's just take the drama out of it all. If you place your saving faith in Jesus, the desires of the flesh, they've been defeated. They can no longer enslave you. You are no longer a helpless victim in the battle. If you're not in Christ Jesus this morning, you are a victim. You are enslaved to sin. That is why you need Christ's atoning work on the cross for you. You need the Spirit. Without the Spirit, there is no life. You are a slave to your own passions and desires, and that will take you to the grave. Oh, I appeal to you come to Jesus receive his forgiveness and receive his spirit and be set free. We're talking about true freedom. Oh, freedom in the world, that's nothing about, but we can, Christians. We can in Christ Jesus. And as such, we're not helpless victims. You in Christ belong to the victor, Jesus Christ. And this spirit wants to lead you to him, into that victory, into that freedom that you can experience it. Yeah, experientially, that you could know this freedom. But in order to experience the Spirit's power, we need to relate to Him. We need to respond to Him. We need, as the text says, we need to keep in step with Him. How do we do that? Let me give you two answers. Number one, keeping in step with the Spirit. It means getting into the Word. Right here, getting into the Bible. It's what we're studying this morning. Do you understand the Spirit's primary way in which He leads us is through the Word of God. It's how He leads us. It's how He produces desires in us to lead us to Christ and Christ-likeness. See, it's, it's not sermons that change you. It's not Bible devotion times that change you. Those are important. It's a spirit of God which changes you. It's he who illumines God's word. Shines light on it that we can understand it. But it is more than that. The spirit works in a way that he coaxes you to believe it. To believe God's eternal promises, what is true about you and what is true in Christ Jesus, what your true inheritance is. That's the work of the spirit. So we need to avail ourselves of the means by which the Spirit uses, the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit who produces the righteous desires in you. Number two, keeping in step with the Spirit means responding to those desires that He's producing. It means responding to His promptings, to His leadings daily. I want to quote... Uh, something here from Jonathan Dodson. It's in his good book called Gospel-Centered Discipleship. Let me read it to you. I think we have it up there as well. Great. Speaking of the Spirit, he is the one who prompts you to pray for others. He is the one who restrains you from clicking on that image on the internet, making that purchase, or silently judging someone. He prompts you to encourage a friend, to praise the good in a co-worker, or to rejoice in God's remarkable grace. If you are in Christ, you have the Spirit, and He prompts you all the time. We simply need to surrender to His prompting. I find it all too easy to ignore, church, those promptings. It's all too easy to rationalize away the promptings and leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, you have that urge, that thought. Maybe I ought to give something to that person on the street corner. Or that prompting to strike up a gospel conversation with that person in line. And then you think, that thought, it's probably something I just reasoned. I just heard a sermon about that. Yeah, you know, plus, I'm in a hurry and I gave last week. I shared with someone yesterday. You know, I I don't want to be legalistic about it. Really? Is that what's going on there? You walk by the kitchen trash can it's overflowing you think man that needs to be emptied and you think that's, that's not my chore ah hopefully someone else in the family will do it anyways why do i have to do all the work around here anyway and you may be tempted at this point to say Corey, what does a trash can have to do with walking by the spirit let me tell you i think it has a lot more to do with it than you may think A lot more. It's tempting to look at these verses and think walking by the Spirit is something that's really mystical. You know? I've been praying and fasting for 40 days now. I believe the Spirit is telling me to sell all my possessions and to live as a hermit monk. In the deserts of Egypt. Yeah. Or maybe he's just calling you to take out the trash. Okay? Maybe. Maybe he's just calling you, prompting you to stop eating trash. Maybe he's just prompting you to stop trash talking. You understand the context of this? Paul... This is a mystical experience he's talking about. He's writing to Galatians who are trash-talking one another. What's his answer? Walk by the Spirit. That's what he's saying. Walk by the Spirit. Please, don't rationalize away these promptings. And don't let these... And not let these promptings become something that's super-spiritualized, as if God... He's speaking to his elite, you know, his spiritual, his special force, seal team. No, he, he's talking to you. He's talking to me, ordinary Christian. Church, these promptings of the Spirit may seem small, may seem insignificant in your eyes, whether you follow them or not, but I don't believe they're small in God's eyes. I've really enjoyed the new song I've been listening to on the radio from Josh Wilson. The title is Dream Small. Just love that title. I was thinking of that song when I was preparing this message. Let me quote part of it. Dream Small. It's visiting the widow down the street or dancing on a Friday with your friend with special needs. That line always gets me. These simple moments change the world. Of course, there's nothing wrong with bigger dreams. Just don't miss the minutes on your way to bigger things because these simple moments change the world. Here's the chorus. That's a lot like biblical freedom. Keep loving. Keep serving. Keep listening. Keep learning. Keep praying. Keep hoping. Keep seeking. Keep searching. Add up the small things and watch them grow bigger. The God who does all things makes oceans from rivers. Oh, friends, don't miss the opportunities that are right before you to love and to serve one another. The Spirit is prompting you, not just to say no to the things you ought not to do, but to say yes, yes, to the very things and the very people he has put next to you and around you to love and to serve. Don't write off these promptings. Don't depersonalize the work of the Spirit. If you are not sure, you have a prompting, you have a leading, you have an urge, and you don't know, pray. Yeah, good God's word, pray. Interact with him, pray. Pray. Pray for clarity. Pray for direction. Discern and act. Follow the Spirit in those small, quiet urgings. You know what will happen? I believe those urgings, as you follow them, will become stronger and stronger. And the desires of the flesh will become dimmer and dimmer. Church, when we learn to live this way, when we learn to walk by the Spirit, when we learn to keep in step with the Spirit, that's the exciting life. That's when faith is fresh. Friends, may you experience that freedom this week as you walk by the Spirit. For the Spirit, He's on the move. He's on the move in your life. Remember the Spirit. With that, let us let me invite the worship team to come on up as we conclude with the last song there that we sang, Death Was Arrested. As we do that and as we transition, church, just as quiet as possible here, we are not finished yet. You understand that Jesus, when he walked this earth, was the bearer of the Spirit. When he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, he bestowed the Spirit. It's His Spirit that He has sent. When He walked this earth, He was directed by the Spirit. When He rose into heaven, He now directed the Spirit. At Pentecost, and for every, more, for every Christian, that we would have the Spirit. Jesus is living in you, how? By His Spirit. Death has been arrested. You are alive, and it's by His Spirit. So what we want to do is give voice to that as we sing. We want to allow time for God to do a work in our heart and say, Spirit, lead me. I want to experience this freedom which has been purchased by my Savior. And ask that he would do that work in our life, that we'd be sensitive to his working, not just now, but as he walked these doors into the week that God had prepared for us. So with that in mind, let us stand, let us sing, let us sing with faith and respond to these wonderful truths which has been revealed to us.